0: Good morning, church. Buenos dias. (laughs) That's good. That is good. Well, we are learning about prayer. Are you receiving? Are you learning? And how many of you are practicing prayer? Oh. How many of you are practicing prayer? Amen. Amen. Okay, so Jesus is teaching us um, about the importance of prayer and today we are going to explore the battle that we face every time we pray and we ask God to bring his kingdom down to earth. We have been learning for the, far, for the last four Sundays in Luke 11 about the way Jesus is teaching about prayer. And we see different shifts of different, different levels of prayer. First, we have level one, which is personal prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus is teaching us that God is our Father, not a distant God elsewhere, but He's our Father. But then He also teaches us about God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, when He says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus reveals the Father in a way that is powerful because first, He's delighted in meeting our personal needs we learn about a loving father who wants to bless us beyond measure and fulfill our deepest desires and dreams according to his purpose. Then Jesus moves to the second level of prayer, intercessory prayer or warfare prayer. And the parable that he uses is the parable of the man pounding on the door at the midnight hour. Asking not for one loaf of bread, but three. And he said he has a shameless audacity to ask not for our daily bread, but for three more loaves of bread. Then Jesus moves to another level of prayer. Luke 11:13, 13, when he introduced a new concept, which is the Holy Spirit. And he started talking about how a good father will give good gifts to his children, if you ask for a fish, he will not give you a snake, or if you ask for an egg, he would not give you an scorpion, but ask for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is encouraging us to ask for the Holy Spirit. Now, notice that the moment he mentions and introduces the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of darkness is also introduced and revealed and manifested because Jesus begins to drive out Demons. So today, we will explore the battle in prayer and discover the power that lies within our persistent intercessory and warfare prayer. So let's turn to Luke 11, 14 to 16. It says, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who has been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some, of, but some said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him by demanding a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will, be, um, will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, How can this kingdom, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons, listen to this. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. We learn from Jesus that prayer is not just a casual conversation with God, but it involves a spiritual warfare where unseen forces seek to hinder our connection with the Father. That's why it's so hard to establish prayer as a lifestyle. We try to pray and you have all these thoughts competing with your connection with the Father. But prayer Is the secret weapon of the church. Warfare prayer will bring an invisible force of heavenly angels acting on behalf of the church and of those who inherit salvation. Hebrews chapter 1 says Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? How many of you are saved? Thank you, Jesus. When you know that angels have been sent in, on your behalf, if you are, inherit, if you already inherit salvation. And the Father is doing that to serve the church and serve His people in the name of Jesus. So that's why we pray, "Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit." Now, let's use this illustration. Imagine two mighty vessels sailing on the same ocean. The first one, you see this cruise with comfort and amenities that one could desire. People aboard are enjoying the calm, the waves, basking in the sunlight. If you are white, if you are black, you will not turn red. (laughs) Indulging, entertainment, dancing. Everything is awesome, everything is awesome. You are just excited. And then, in a short distance away, that is a battleship, built with strength and purpose. It goes through the turbulent waters, equipped with powerful weapons, and the crew is ready and trained for combat, disciplined, vigilant, and ready to face enemy opposition. In this illustration, the cruise boat represents the mindset of many Christians and churches today. It reflects a mentality that seeks comfort, entertainment, and personal satisfaction. While there is, there is nothing wrong with enjoying the blessing that God provides. He wants you to be blessed and have cars and yachts and go travel and vacation. But we must recognize that as followers of Christ, we are not called to live a life of leisure alone. This, this is why in level one, it's all about us. Our Father, give me our daily bread. But then, God wants to call us to go deeper. And then in level two, Jesus shifts gears and starts teaching about intercessory prayer. The mount pounding on the door at the midnight hour. The highlight here is Jesus is giving us a warning. We cannot be casual Christians in the midnight hour. We cannot be passive and relied on my father and my mom's religion. God does not have grandchildren. He has children. He only has children. We all have to experience God in a personal way through a relationship with Jesus. We need to get ready, church. And get ready because we are in the midnight hour. What is the midnight hour, pastor? Well, Jesus is talking about the second coming. Jesus is coming back again. Are you ready? He's coming back again. The man pounding on the door represents us when we recognize that we don't have bread. And that without bread, we cannot preach the gospel. So the man is asking not bread for for, for his own sake, but he's asking bread for his friends that are coming in a journey. It is recognizing that if I don't have enough of you, Jesus, people will not want what I got. Prophetic alert, the midnight hour. Jesus is challenging us. Ask, seek, and knock in prayer. But how do I get bread, Jesus? Jesus says, it's easy. Pray, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, pray, seek, and knock. The question is this. In the midnight hour, would we have bread? Jesus is calling us, wake up, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. We got to have a prayer life and we have to stop giving excuses. We are in the midnight hour, my friends. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. That's the message, that's the gospel. So God is calling people of all ages, young people, old people, we all need a prayer life. What we're going to do when we see America in decline and the brokenness of the world taking over our nation once and for all. I have news for you. The answer, the answer to turn the world around for good is not in politics or politicians or science or medicine. The answer is not in intellectual debates as we saw last week, not in civil rights movements, not in personal opinions. The answer is in our knees as we seek Jesus in prayer. If my people call upon my name, says the Lord, I will hear from, from, from heaven and heal their land if they humble themselves. Revival is coming to this church. Revival is coming to St. John. Revival is coming to churches that are immersed in prayer. It's prayer time for St. John. It's prayer time for St. John. We know that many people stop coming after the pandemic. That's not a secret. But if they don't come, it's time to stop inviting them and start praying for them. Start asking for three loaves of bread for them. Are you hungry for those three loaves of bread and the bread represents the message of the gospel Jesus is coming back again in the midnight hour repent because the kingdom of god has come near be baptized in the name of jesus and be my witness in the world this is not for me and actually because we are paid by the church this is for everyone you will be my witness around the world. Preach the gospel, do not compromise. When we invite friends to church, what they will say? We invite people to the church, what they will say? I'm here now, so now what? I want something real, people want something real. What people are going to get when they come to St. John? What they are going to get? Are they going to say, there is no bread? Here I am, what now? Let me try another bakery. Let me go to Southeast, just turn left and go to Southeast Church. I will try a far way religion or East religion. I'm going to become an agnostic or atheist. I'm going to try Islam. Or I'm going to, to try the new era. Or I'm going to find a witchcraft or a, 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 a witch lady to read my hand and tell me my future and who I am. Or I'm going to read the zodiac and, and learn if I'm Pisces or Taurus or Geminis. We need to go to God. He's the one who knows who you are and you know who your purpose is. Let's seek God. This is a battleship church. He knows everything. We are not a cruise church. We are a battleship church. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to come so people can experience something real as St. John. Let's pray that when we get here, they are touched by the Holy Spirit like never before. That's the posture and the position of the church. In the midnight hour, the church has to be praying. We are at the verge of Jesus' second coming. We need to be desperate, pounding on the door with shameless audacity, doesn't matter who hears us, doesn't matter who says anything, I'm going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding out the door, Jesus give me more bread, I don't have enough, give me more bread, not only for me, but for my friends, I need bread. The signs of the midnight hours are here. What is the position of the church? How St. John will position itself for the midnight hour. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming back again? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You sent me to the right church. He promised that he will come back. So let's let's transition from this prayer of me, 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 give me my daily bread, give me my daily bread to ask bread for others. Transition in prayer. Let's ask for bread for our neighbors, for our friends. Let's start pounding on the door. Give me bread, give me bread for my friends. Give me bread for a lost world. Give me bread, give me burden, a burden for the broken world. My friends, in Luke 11, Jesus is referring to the lost, the last, the least of this. And I'm telling you, I'm not mad at the gay community. I'm not mad at people who disagree with me. I'm fine. They are my friends. However, the question is, are we going to have bread at St. John when people come? Are we going to be like a cruise church where there is no bread, no gospel, no truth, no spirit, no personal experience with God, no urgency, no life, but only entertainment, comfort, complacency, spiritual laziness, a lot of lights and smoke. (sighs) Hallelujah. Who are we going to become? Are we going to become a battleship church, a prayer church pounding on the door of heaven for more of the Holy Spirit, more of Jesus, the bread of life. Give me more bread. Give me more bread for my friends. We are called by Christ to board the battleship. The church is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. It's time to board the battleship. It's amazing when I'm late for my flights and they start asking my name because I'm not there. It's amazing. I know it's me because no one can say my name. Yosmar, Ishmar, Ashmar, Oshmar. It's time to board Ishmar, Ashmar, Oshmar, Ishmar. It's time to board. You say to your neighbor, it's time to board the battleship. It's time to board. It's time to board. The battle actually represents the fight, the soldier mentality. Ephesians, Ephesians 6.12 reminds us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As soldiers of Christ, we are engaged in spiritual warfare, fighting the battles that have eternal significance. The battleship crew symbolizes the army of believers in their purpose and commitment to fight against the forces of darkness. How we do that, pastor? Well, by doing prayer, fasting, reading the Bible, fellowship, asking God for more bread. Pray with the audacity to ask for more. It's time to ask big request is the, what I call the three loaf bread hour. It is the midnight hour, the lost harvest hour. If you know that you are not living right, it's your mind as you see the TV and Facebook and YouTube and all these media platforms, what this is telling you? When you read it, when you see it, something is about to happen and you know it. And I'm here this morning to tell you what is that something that is about to happen. It's called the rapture. The Holy Spirit will be taken out from earth. And then we're going to have one religion, one world government, one currency. The Antichrist will be at the door. It is happening, church. The world is aligning to that. The Holy Spirit, the retainer will be taken out of the earth with the church. And the Antichrist is at the door, but not yet. This is the midnight hour. And Christ, the Lord, is coming back. So fear not. He's our healer. He's our comforter. He's the mighty force of heaven. He's here right now. He's in us. Welcome the Holy Spirit. He's the divine retainer on earth. And he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. So if you don't have bread, it's time to start pounding on the door. We are in the midnight hour. And you know it. As you see your families and your friends and you drive around, and you see everywhere demonic forces assaulting our families, people calling the good evil and the evil good. The church is not called to become like the world, think like the world, behaving like the world for fear of persecution, to be political correct. Instead, let's move to a position of warfare and prayer to the point that everything we do at St. John is based and marinated in prayer to the point that people trust St. John because they know that we are a ministry that we will not stop pounding on the door for bread for our families, our friends, and our community. But we need to be persistent and pray with shameless audacity after all, it's written in 1 John 4.4. 4, Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that's when we embrace this level of spiritual warfare. There is a battle behind closed doors in the unseen. And we know, based on Jesus' teaching, that prayer opens doors and we see Jesus casting out demons and healing people, people are amazed. It is a reminder that prayer has the power to break a strongholds and bring freedom. So pray that we can experience healing and restoration. St. Augustine said it this way, pray as though everything depend on God. Work as though everything depend on you. While we pray, we understand that it requires participation and through persistent prayer, then God can really unleash his power. But get ready church, because we're going to face what? Opposition. It's not going to be easy, but if you pray in the name of Jesus and you ask Holy Spirit come, you will be able to pray. In verse 15, some accuse Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. This accusation indicates the spirit of warfare and the task that Jesus is delegating to us to pray knowing that there is an unseen realm. And we need to pray and engage, engage in prayer knowing that opposition will come. From this we learn that prayer invites us to a spiritual warfare. And we see witnesses in the Old Testament, numerous people, Powerful men of God and women of God, praying like Moses, Joshua, Ruth, Elijah, and many others, waging a spiritual warfare through their prayers, seeing how God gave them victory. In Exodus 17, the Israelites were victorious in battle as long as Moses was able to lift and hold his hands up. This is real. In other words, If there is any any God in you, if there is any God in us, we must be more spiritual. And every time we have an issue, a, a situation, the first thing will be, pray. Of course, then you call the doctor, you call 911, you call everyone. But first, it should be a prayer, even if it's a short prayer, Jesus, Jesus, and pray and God will show up in mighty ways. In the midnight hour, prayer is powerful. And God will give us favor with men and pray so doors are open even though we have spiritual opposition. We need to pray like never before. Then Jesus introduces the concept of the kingdom of God. And we know that we live in the kingdom of God. And those who live in the kingdom of God in the presence of the Lord know that the kingdom is not in trouble. doesn't matter what is happening in the world. The kingdom of God is not in trouble and neither are you. Neither are you. It's a battle. It's a kingdom clash. But the authority is in Jesus. He already won the battle. Anti-rights, a modern theologian put it this way, he says, when we pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it's a battle cry while you're praying. It's not a casual, let your kingdom come, your will be done. No, it's war. This prayer serves as a battle cry to challenge the kingdom of darkness and invite God to take over our life. But then there is another concept that I'm going to start today and finish next Sunday the finger of God. Jesus is saying, "If for the finger of God, I drive out demon, the kingdom of God came upon you. What is the finger of God? Well, it's a reference to Exodus 31, when Moses had an encounter with God, and he said that God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger. It's 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 a connection that Jesus is making and saying, God is coming with fire. God is love, but he's also holy. He's also holy, and I see people preaching, I preach a God of love, yes, but God is also holy. Holiness, and the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, you know the Ten Commandments, and he says if you break one of them, you will not enter into heaven. That's why we need Jesus, no one can, there's no coyotes, a coyote is the person that brings people from Mexico to the United States, that's a coyote, there's no coyote in heaven, There's no way to get into heaven through another way. There is no Donald Trump walls. The only way you can build all your, the only way you can go to heaven is through Jesus. Through Jesus. And that's a radical statement. That moment you say the only way to heaven and to the Father is Jesus, you become radical, right there. The The moment you say that Jesus is more than an example, He's God, you become radical. If I show up and say Jesus is awesome and Jesus loves everyone, everybody claps. The woman I say Jesus is God, no more clapping. Wow, the finger of God. That's the concept, the finger of God. But then Moses is teaching us we need to obey the commandments and we have unity in that obedience and if we do that, then the kingdom will not be divided. Jesus is saying a kingdom that is divided will not stand. It's vulnerable if we are divided. But prayer brings unity and connects us. In this battle, Jesus is emphasizing that for unity within God's kingdom, we need to be united in him. And we know that because we need unity at St. John. Are we united at St. John? That's a good question. Are we united? Let's keep the main thing. The main thing, which is what? Making disciples. Making disciples. And I, you know, I, I came in June, so you, do you know that the shares are coming next month? No? Okay, now you know. Shares are coming next month. And if you want to blame someone, blame Tom. That will happen before me. Don't blame me, I'm not, I will give you all the reasons later, but not, that's not mine. And I understand that pews are important and chairs are important, but let's keep the main thing the main thing. And what are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel, the sake of the kingdom? That's the real question here. We're not saying that pews are not important or chairs are not important. We're saying this is, there is an order of priority here, church. And we need to focus on that and, that, and in that we will have unity and we see that because then David is sharing with us in Psalms 133 saying how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity after all in the first centuries guess what they have no chairs they were on the floor You can call the bishop next week and say, Yosma, don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, church, I know, I know, I know, I know. But my whole, my, I hope that you hear me well. I only want this church to focus on what is the main thing, which is making disciples, loving God, making God known. Making God known. Making God known. And after all, Jesus does not engage in debate or argument with his critics. He only says, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's what he said. And we need to learn to say that. He were, they were accusing him to drive, to drive out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And the only, the only way that Jesus, in Matthew and all the gospel, he, warning, he, he sends a warning and says, any word or slander against the man of god the son of god will be forgiven but any word against the spirit will not be forgiven not in this age or in the ages to come so before you judge anything that is happening in a church pray and ask direction the safest way to go is don't say anything because you never know you never know especially if you're not praying because if you're not praying, you're going, you going to see things through your flesh, not through the spirit. You're going to download things from heaven, not through your spirit, but through your soul, through your emotions. And that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. So the enemy will continue seeking ways to undermine and discredit the word of God. But Pastor, how can we apply all of this tomorrow, Monday? I'm always finding ways. That's why I put application. How can we apply this on Monday? On Monday. Number one, recognize that there is a battle. It's real. It's happening right now. There's no such a thing in the spiritual world as empty or vacant places. Everything is full in the spiritual world. with light or darkness. And light and darkness cannot coexist in one place. You are either happy or you are sad. You cannot be happy and sad. You cannot be in in holiness and in sin at the same time. Impossible. Spiritual discernment. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and discern what is from God and what is from the darkness. It's easy to know. Spend time reading the Bible. You will not become a disciple by coming on Sunday. You need to go back home and open the Bible and start eating the Word and the bread that is in there. Do not give up. Keep coming. Keep learning. Keep fasting. Keep praying. Do not give up. And then let's find what? Unity. And we're going to discuss and we all have, I mean we all have an opinion. That's important. God respects our individuality. We cannot sacrifice our individuality. But after we vote, after we decide something, now is the church decided. And once it's that, then you align your soul, your spirit, and your emotions to that decision. That's called surrender. That's called discipleship. That's called discipleship. And now we have a call to action. We're going to start praying on Tuesdays in September. In the morning, it will be only online, no camera, so you can connect, and then in the afternoon, six to seven, we're going to be praying also here in, in person in the sanctuary. We hope that you go online and share with us prayer requests, but also praise requests, so God can continue doing great things. So this is the conclusion of the message. Prayer is not a mere religious activity. Prayer is power, and is what is leading us to encounter Jesus. Let our prayer be marked by endurance. Keep pressing forward with confidence. Let us stand firm and watch as God brings about incredible breakthroughs in our life as we pray together. Amen.